0: Morning. Morning. Um, Man, I just love Christmas music. Uh, (laughs) Some of the best theology, I think, um, is written in in these wonderful um, hymns that have been written throughout history to celebrate the birth of our Lord and just love, love Christmas music. Um, This morning, we're going to be in Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4. As you all know, We've been going through the book of Ruth for this Advent season, which is the celebration of the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're celebrating together as a body, the coming of our Lord, coming as a baby. And this is a wonderful time leading up to Christmas Day, which here at Grace Fellowship and in our households is going to be a day of worship. Right a day of proclaiming the king who has come as a baby, entered into his own creation, the very creation that He made. All things were made through him, and yet he entered into it. And so that's what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus, the Incarnation, which is the start of this glorious gospel message, the good news of God. So we come together to celebrate this advent season as a blessing to say this Christ has entered into his creation. This should be a beautiful, beautiful time of worship. And we're doing this, if you didn't know, with our sister churches in the local area. So if you were not aware, we've been going through the Book of Ruth with Redeemer that's out on Friendship Road, I believe, with Mountain View in Aniston, Aniston Bible Church and Grace Fellowship. We've all been going through the Book of Ruth together Um, to celebrate this Advent season. And so you can be encouraged knowing that your brothers and sisters in this community are going through the same texts as you to celebrate the birth of our Lord. So, as we come together, this is going to be a beautiful time of worship with our sister churches to see the beauty of the gospel as represented in the first Advent of Christ, which Carlton mentioned a few weeks ago is pointing us to the second coming of Christ when all things will be made new and death will be no more. And as we have been getting together, all of us who have been preparing these messages in Ruth, we've been getting together week by week, studying Ruth together. And we've been going through chapter by chapter, week by week, together as men who are studying this book together to bring a message to the congregations that we serve at and are a part of. And so a lot of what everybody has said these past few weeks is is the benefit of being a part of these studies with these godly men who have studied Ruth together. And a lot of what I'll be saying today is just a blessing from being able to sit and and listen to men like Bob St. John, Jacob Pullen, um, Phil Moser, Carlton. It's, It's been a huge blessing. And so I pray that this time in Ruth has been a blessing for you because it sure has been a blessing for us who have been able to prepare these messages to bring to the congregation. So as I said today, we're going to be in Ruth chapter 4. And I want to start by saying that this book of Ruth is a story of redemption. And that redemption comes to a head or a full culmination in Ruth chapter 4 today. We see the beauty of this redemption in Ruth chapter 4. All of it coming to a head. Ruth chapter 1 two and three have been leading to the redemption of Ruth and Naomi through Boaz in this chapter today. And so as we dive into the text today, I want to say that we all as redeemed individuals saved by the blood of Jesus Christ will resonate with this story today. If you have been redeemed, you will resonate with the culmination of this redemption of Ruth and Naomi today. And I hope That by the end of the day, you will see the beauty of this redemption as provided through Boaz. There are many theologians, when asked to sum up the Bible in one word, the word they use to sum it up is redemption. Redemption. Now, I'm not one for summing up the Bible in one word, but this sort of redemption is something that believers can really resonate with. And what's interesting is that even unbelievers resonate with this message of redemption. Even those who are just made in the image of God, not redeemed individuals, will resonate with a message of redemption. People in general, humanity resonates with the idea that against all odds, against whatever hopeless and hopeless state that someone may be in, that, that that person has been brought into a helpless and hopeless state That that person will ultimately be brought to a place that's better than where they were at. This story of redemption. We see this all the time in Hollywood films. That there's this climactic point in every story where the main question is, can they really get out of this? Is there any hope? How will they get out of this hole? And against all odds, somehow a redemption has been provided for this main character. Somehow they've gotten out of the hole and their state is often wiser or better than before they had started the journey. It's redemptive. And so we see this redemption that people in general made in the image of God attached to this. It's how Hollywood is making their money today. By resonating with the hearts of those made in the image of God, although they distort it in many ways, this is a basic storytelling plot of so many movies and entertainment. Because people made in the image of God long for a redemption. And we, as people made new in Christ, we also long for a redemption. We also long, much like Naomi. But the difference is that in Christ, we come with open hands saying, there's nothing we can give. There's nothing that we have. We're hopeless. We're helpless. We're enslaved. And we have to be set free. We have to be redeemed from this enslavement, from this hardship, from this sin. And so I hope that as we look to Ruth chapter 4 today, we would be encouraged in Christ at the redemption of Ruth and Naomi through Boaz. So let's go to the text today. Like I said, we're going to be in Ruth chapter 4. We're going to be starting in verse 1. and We're going to be reading through the whole chapter. Ruth chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And the, behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, turn aside friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the redeemer, Naomi has come back from the land of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me, that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of the native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah, And be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord gave her conception. And she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life. And a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you. Who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap. And became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name. Saying a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse. The father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Minadab. Amenadab fathered Nashon, Nashon fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. This is as far as the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you. We come here and we're able to openly proclaim the glories of your gospel. Uh, I pray that as we look to the text today, we would see um, this beautiful redemptive story and we would um, proclaim Christ through it. And so we ask you to bless this time in Christ's name. Amen. So if we remember in Ruth chapter three, Boaz had mentioned that there is a redeemer close to Naomi, right? And that this is that he is actually given the first rites of redemption if that redeemer so chooses to redeem, right? So in our text today, Boaz at the beginning of our text sets out to find that redeemer, to find that man. He had already told Ruth, there's someone nearer to this situation. And so he sets out to find that man. So let's go to verse one. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there And behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. So Boaz heads out to the city gate, and he sees this redeemer that he set out to find, and he asks him to sit down. Something to note here, if you look to the text, Boaz actually says this, man, he says, turn aside, friend. That word friend in the Hebrew is actually a Hebrew idiom, right? Or like a turn of phrase. So a turn of phrase is just kind of um, an expression, a Hebrew expression of phrase. And this Hebrew idiom could be translated into the English as like so-and-so, right? Like Mr. So-and-so. So So like Boaz is kind of looking at this man and saying, sit down, Mr. So-and-so, which is a funny way to think because Boaz is related to this man, right? He would know who this man is. So the author has done something here for a particular reason, right? Why not include this man's name? Why would you think that the author would say, well, Boaz said, sit down, Mr. So-and-so. And And that's going to be important in a few minutes. So remember that thought. From now on, I'm going to refer to this redeemer, this friend as Mr. So-and-so for the rest of the time. So Boaz asked So-and-so to sit down and he gathers the elders and the men of the city because there needed to be an audience for what was about to take place. This was about to be a legal settlement, right? This was a, a legal dealing, And so it needed witnesses. According to God's law, it needed two to three witnesses. And so they needed people to come and watch what was about to take place. So Boaz gathered the elders and people of the city. Continuing on in verse 3. Then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So Boaz and this redeemer are both related to Elimelech in some way. right, he continues, so I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here, those that he had gathered, and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he, the redeemer, Mr. So-and-so said, I will redeem it. So just to keep everybody up to speed, Right, this is a transaction that's taking place. Boaz tells Mr. So-and-so that there's this plot of land and it needs to be redeemed, and that if he didn't want to, Boaz needed to know. Mr. So-and-so says he's gonna redeem it, right? So this seems like a total win-win for this redeemer. Right? Keep in mind at this point, in, in Boaz's explanation of the redemption of this land, he has only mentioned Naomi. Boaz has only mentioned that this is a Limelech's wife, she's got this plot of land, and this plot of land needs to be redeemed. So at this point in time, Naomi's an older woman, and this man is probably thinking this is a win-win, right? There's no one who's going to take the land back from him when he gets old enough, because in those days, to redeem a land, you would take the bride, and the the relative would go into her... And as soon as the heir grew up, that land would be inherited by that child. So that, I mean, that's the purpose of this Leverite marriage um, of redemption. But Naomi's an old woman. So there's likely going to be no children involved in this deal so far from what he thinks. And so for this redeemer, he would have in his mind inherited that land, would have only had to take care of Naomi for a little bit. And he ultimately, for his and his own, he would have have inherited more land and grown more prosperous as a family. He wouldn't have that land taken back from him at any point. And then Boaz hits him with the news that Ruth is a part of this redemption. Ruth the Moabite. Meaning, Ruth is a young woman, that a child will likely result from this deal. So in verse 5, Boaz says this. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So at this point, Boaz has sprung the news on the Redeemer. By the way... If you take this land, Ruth the Moabite is going to be coming in and you're going to have to redeem her as well because she is the one who's clinging to Naomi. Right? And this redeemer immediately gets cold feet. He says, no, I can't take the deal. I can't do it. And why does he say he can't do it? He says, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. That's what he said. He gives a reason why I'm going to impair my own, that land that I would have inherited is not ultimately going to be mine. It would impair the inheritance that I would have received. So Boaz has said to this man, he has the right of redemption, take the field from the hand of Naomi. He also acquires Ruth. But he says to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. This man was looking at the land in this deal as his own. But the point of the Leverite marriage is to look at the land as your relative's land that ultimately their heirs will inherit. So it would have been to continue the name of Elimelech or Malon. And the man here says he can't do it because he was concerned about the name of the inheritance because he was not concerned about the name of the inheritance of Elimelech, but rather his own. And so he takes off his sandal to confirm the deal. Let's read it. In verse 7, Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. So basically right here in verse 8, what this Redeemer is doing, he's essentially saying the deal is done. I can't redeem it. Buy it for yourself, Boaz. And by taking off his sandal, it would have been a symbol of saying, deal's done. Now, everybody sitting there would have been able to see him, even if they were far off, didn't know what was taking place. They would have been able to see this man take off his sandal. Deal's done. He's not going to redeem the land. And now everybody would have known that. And so Boaz, being a man who has a desire to redeem both Ruth and Naomi, Boaz being a man who has a desire to redeem these two women and perpetuate the name of Elimelech, he says this, starting in verse 9. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belong to Chilion and to Malon. Also Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. And so what we're seeing right now in the text is Boaz choosing graciously to take on the redemption of both Ruth and Naomi. Boaz to take Ruth as his wife and to marry her. And there's a prophetic word from the elders that comes to him in these verses. So at this point, we've gone through 1 through 10 and this is kind of the exchanging of the deal, right? He's, he's meeting with Mr. So-and-so. He's explaining the deal to him. Mr. So-and-so says, I'm not interested. And Boaz goes, okay, I will redeem the land. I will redeem Ruth. I will redeem Noah. It's kind of just an exchanging of the deal. But there's a shift in the text starting right here in verse 11. So, in verse 11, the elders say this. They're going to provide a blessing And a prophetic word to Boaz. A blessing and a prophetic word. In verse 11, the elders say, Then all the people who are at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. They are blessing the marriage of Boaz and Ruth. This woman is coming into Boaz's house and they're saying, May the Lord make her. Like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. This is a massive statement. This is not a statement that elders would just commonly make for every single marriage. This is a a statement the elders are making specifically about Ruth, and they're saying this is a massive, they're saying that she will be, may she be like the Rachel and Leah who built up the house of Israel to this Gentile Moabite woman. And then they bless Boaz. They say, may you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. I want to stop right here for a moment. These elders in this moment are blessing the marriage of Boaz and Ruth. And they tell him, may you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. Now let me ask, at the beginning of this passage, when Boaz... Had gone to the Redeemer, was it Boaz that was seeking to make a name for himself? Was, was Boaz seeking to be renowned in Bethlehem? Was that his main purpose for redeeming both Ruth and Naomi? Was that his redeem was that his reason for trying to do it for his own inheritance? For his own name? Well, no. It wasn't. Just like in Ruth chapter 2, we see Boaz graciously giving what God has given him, right? Telling Ruth to glean only in his field and as much as she needs. And then in Ruth chapter three, Boaz makes a provision for Ruth and she takes almost 80 pounds of barley back for herself and Naomi. And he provides for both of them in this way. So Boaz is not seeking to make a name for himself. He's seeking to do what's right. He's seeking to do what is right. He's taking an ethical stance on redeeming these two extremely vulnerable women. And these two women are longing for this redemption. He's not seeking to make a name for himself or concerned about his own inheritance. He understands that a child will likely come from this endeavor and that the land will be inherited by that child at a later time. Boaz has counted the cost on this issue. on this issue, And what's actually, what's interesting is that the redeemer, Mr. So-and-so, had also counted that same cost. When it was just Naomi, he was glad to take it. When a child was gonna come from the deal, he was not. The redeemer has said that the cost is too great. It will impair my inheritance. The redeemer, Mr. So-and-so, was concerned about his own name being perpetuated. He was concerned about his own inheritance, and so it was a selfish thing. For Mr. So-and-so to say, I will not redeem it. If Ruth the Moabite is a part of this package, I will not redeem it because that land is not going to be mine in the future. That is land not for me and mine, but that land is going to be given to someone else, to the offspring of Malon. And so this man turns aside for his own inheritance. But by contrast, Boaz is seeking not to make a name for himself, but is seeking to do what's correct. What is the ethical thing to do? And what do the elders in the city, in verse twelve, say to Boaz? I'm stressing this point. May you be worthy in effort. May you be worthy in effort, and may your name be renowned in Bethlehem. So, in Boaz's humility and kindness, a name has been made for him. So much so, what's interesting, that in 1 Chronicles chapter 2, in the genealogy of David, you know who's listed as the father of Obed? Boaz. Boaz is listed as the father in Boaz. Ruth and Boaz, it says, had Obed. But according to Deuteronomy 25, which is about this situation, the live right law... Let me read the law to you concerning the Liverite marriage in Deuteronomy 25. He says, and the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. So the concern in Deuteronomy 25 is that when a redeemer comes and redeems that land, that child was, and that child was given to Naomi. We're going to get there. But really the name of that child In the genealogy of Obed, this coming child, that father should have been Elimelech or Malon. The father of that child in the genealogy should have been named as Elimelech or Malon. But in the genealogy of David in 1 Chronicles 2, it's Boaz who's mentioned as the father. Of course, we remember the unfaithfulness of Elimelech to leave Jerusalem. And the faithfulness of Boaz... He was there at the beginning of barley harvest, meaning that he stayed. And Boaz, now being a part of that genealogical genealogical line of David, just shows the impact that Boaz had on the people of God in that day. The redemption that he provided that day was like none other. It was so gracious what he did for Ruth and Naomi. It was so kind. And we see that his name is renowned in Bethlehem, all the way up to Boaz and Ruth being mentioned in the genealogy of our Lord, In Matthew chapter 1. And so to wrap up this point, Boaz in his humility has made a name for himself, not because he was seeking it, but because of the character of his actions, revealed his desire and love for both God and Ruth and Naomi. And so the elders go on in verse 12, and this is where the prophetic word Starts, and may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. And here is where I believe we get into the prophetic word of the elders. If anyone is familiar, like the elders said here, Perez was the child of Tamar and Judah, who was born in less than desirable circumstances. Tamar herself likely being, many scholars believe, a Canaanite woman. And because of that reason, the elders are recognizing that this situation is a less than desirable circumstance. Elimelech has died, Chilion, Malon have died, Ruth is a Moabite, Gentile coming into Jerusalem, Naomi, being someone who, at this point, probably can't have children. She has this land and needs someone to redeem it. And she's too old to bear children. At the beginning of this book, Ruth, or Naomi says she's like Mara, bitter. And yet, because of Boaz, they're making these statements. They say, because of the offspring the Lord will give you by this young woman. They're saying that an offspring will come. A prophetic word of a child that's going to come. We see that Ruth and Boaz marry... In the next verses. And so in verse 12. Or sorry. In verse 13. What the elders said in verse 12 comes to pass. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her. And the Lord gave her conception. And she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi. To Naomi. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day. Without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter in law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. So actually, the redeemer that the women of the town say is Naomi's redeemer is not necessarily Boaz, but the child. This child, this daughter-in-law, who's worth more than seven sons, has given her a child who is going to be to her a restorer of life. Then Naomi, in verse 16, took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And so Naomi, in chapter 1. Completely desolate. Completely hopeless. hopeless, Looking to Ruth saying go back to your gods. And Ruth clinging to her as this thread of hope. For Naomi in chapter 1. She clung to her and held on to her. And that same Ruth gave birth to a child. Who is this redemptive figure in Naomi's life. This baby is a sign in Naomi's life. That the Lord has not forgotten her. Her. It says here, he shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. A complete redemption from Mara bitterness to jubilee. Putting this child on her lap, nursing him. A restorer of her life. This baby restored her life and was sitting in her lap. And then we see right here, the women of the town gave him a name. We're going to continue through the rest of the passage and then... I'm going to make some comments. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Minadab. Minadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. So in this chapter, we've seen the moral excellence of Boaz, the redemption of Ruth in marriage, the redemption of Naomi in this child. And now we see a more expansive redemption for the people of Israel. And so we see at the end of this chapter, Obed fathering Jesse and Jesse fathering David. And so this is the final example of redemption that I want to talk about in this story. And then I would like to bring it to a close, talking about the perfection of the redemption that's found in Christ. So quickly, they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This was obviously someone who wrote the book, who is writing after the time of this event, and they're looking back at this story and saying, look at the significance of this child that has been born from Ruth, through Boaz, to Naomi, for their redemption. This one, Obed, who fathers Jesse, who will be the father of David, the great king of Israel. The one that Israel would look to to put their hope in. To this people in that day, David would have been a sign and would have been seen as the ultimate picture of redemption. And so this is a picture of complete redemption, not only for Ruth and marriage, not only for Naomi and this child, but for the whole people of God. And so to bring it around, I'd like to end with these four points of redemption. First, the character of Boaz. Second, the redemption of Ruth and marriage. Third, the redemption of Naomi with this child. And finally, the redemption of God's people through a king. I want all of these points to help us see Christ. So in this chapter, we see a beautiful redemption picture that Boaz has provided for Ruth and Naomi. And Boaz is seen as an exemplary character in this story. One that we can only desire to be like, but I want to challenge us and say that if we look only that far and we say we need to be like Boaz, we as a people of God need to be like Boaz, then the buck stops here at Ruth chapter four. This is where it stops. Be like Boaz. That's it. Go read Ruth. He is an exemplary character. He is one that sets an example for the people of God. Boaz was one that was showing the character of God, but he was ultimately pointing to the perfect character of Christ. Boaz himself still needs a savior. Boaz is not around today, which means that he died, which means that he sinned. Boaz is a picture of what redemption can look like in this world. But, That redemption was only temporary for Ruth and Naomi. The redemption that he provided to Ruth and Naomi under the sovereign hand of God is nothing compared to the redemption that Christ has provided for all his people for all of eternity. This is not to diminish what Boaz has done. The author in this text actually sees to it that there's not a single thing in this text that implies that Boaz did anything wrong. Boaz did an amazing thing, but what Christ has done is far greater. Jacob Pullen and I, we were talking through this issue of moralizing men in the Old Testament. Even great men like Boaz. And after texting back and forth a few times, this is kind of what we came up with when talking about moralizing great men of the Old Testament. I'm going to read what we said. The problem with moralizing men in the Old Testament is that we seek to act like them. But it was these men who, when they had times of great obedience, great worship and reverence, were actually pointing to the greater man, Christ. We are not called to become like them, but to behold him. Right? They were all along pointing through themselves to him. And we don't need to find the men in the Old Testament to be examples to follow, but rather see through them who we now follow. Our Lord, the glory of the ministry of Christ is diminished when we look to the Old Testament saints as a mirror in trying to be like them and not a spotlight, seeing through them who were always pointing, who they were always pointing to, Jesus Christ. We talked about Boaz in his humility, trying not to make a name for himself, but in his kindness and love for Ruth and Naomi, made a name for himself that is renowned in Bethlehem. But Christ, in his humility, took on flesh, and though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. And so though Boaz was a great man, Jesus is far greater. Secondly, We see the redemption of Boaz in his marriage to Ruth. Ruth, being a Moabite Gentile, far from God, separated from the commonwealth of Israel, she clings to one of God's people, Naomi, and clings to Naomi's God, Yahweh. And Boaz, with the marriage of Ruth, brings in this Gentile, grafts her into the people of God, and redemption is found with her through this marriage. Ruth, in this chapter, is a picture of Christ's church. We are the ones who have been redeemed in this marriage to our Lord. We celebrate week in, week out, being a member of Christ's bride. And in Revelation 19, this is how John describes the rejoicing that we will have when being at the marriage of the Lamb and his bride. This is what we will sing in glory together as a multitude. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Thirdly, we see the redemption through a child that is born. Just like a child being born to Naomi and restoring her life, we have had a child born to us, Emmanuel. God with us. This is what we're celebrating today. In this Advent season, our eternal God come in the form as a, of a baby. He will save his people from their sins. He will be to us a restorer of life, just like Obed was to Naomi. And finally, we see a redemption of the nation of Israel through the future coming of this King David. This son was the father of Jesse, the father of David, who has seen as the greatest king of Israel. And yet the prophecies in the Old Testament point to the one who will be like on the throne of David and yet sinless. And so this is not only for the people of Israel that saw David as being this great king and someone to look to, but rather to say, David is not where this ends. If we remember... David's physical kingdom is no longer standing. But we read through the Old Testament, as we read through the Old Testament, we see one who will come, who will be like the ancient of days. And to him is given glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. And so Christ provides the fulfillment of all the redemptions that we find in this small little book. Christ is the true redeemer in marriage. He's the true son who's the restorer of life. And Christ is the true and better David who will be the conquering king who will not only defeat nations, but also our sins and death. Ruth is a powerful story from complete despair in Naomi to her life being restored as a picture for us before Christ, being without hope in this world, to him restoring our life, the spirit regenerating our hearts. And so as you go to work, as you wake up tomorrow morning, I pray that it would ring true in your heart that Christ is the redeemer of your life. He's the restorer of your despair. The one who has called you his own like Boaz has to Ruth. And the one who has conquered your enemies like King David did for the people of Israel.